This is from The Rock, which is a play by T.S. Eliot, produced in 1934. Let me show you the work of the humble. Listen. In the vacant places, we will build with new bricks. Where the bricks are fallen, we will build with new stone. Where the beams are rotten, we will build with new timbers. Where the word is unspoken, we will build with new speech. There is work together, a church for all, and a job for each. Every man to his work. What life have you if you have not life together? There is not life that is not in community. And no community not lived in praise of God. And now you live dispersed on ribbon roads, and no man knows or cares who is his neighbor, unless his neighbor makes too much disturbance, but all dash to and fro in motor cars, familiar with the roads and settled nowhere. Much to cast down, much to build, much to restore. Let the work not delay, Time and the arm not waste. Let the clay be dug from the pit. Let the saw cut the stone. Let the fire not be quenched in the forge. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, O miserable cities of designing men, O wretched generation of enlightened men, betrayed in the mazes of your ingenuities sold by the proceeds of your proper inventions. I have given you hands which you turn from worship. I have given you speech for endless palaver. I have given you my law, and you set up commissions. I have given you lips to express friendly sentiments. I have given you hearts for reciprocal distrust. I have given you the power of choice, and you only alternate between futile speculation and unconsidered action. And the wind shall say, here were decent, godless people, their only moment, the asphalt road, and a thousand lost golf balls. When the stranger says, what is the meaning of this city? Do you huddle close together because you love each other? What will you answer? We all dwell together to make money from each other, or this is a community. Thank you, Susan. Beautifully read. And it is amazing to think that was written in 1934. And, you know, it's so prescient today. And now you live dispersed on ribbon roads. And no man knows or cares who his neighbor is. And the wind shall say, here were decent godless people. Their only monument, the asphalt road and a thousand lost golf balls. When the stranger says, what is the meaning of this city? Do you huddle together because you love each other? What will you answer? We all dwell together to make money from each other? Or 
this is a community. And I think the theme of community is just really relevant to us today. Last week, those that you were, that, that, uh, those of you that were here, we, we did Harvest and a Michaelmas event, and we began to look at the nature of community and how important it is. And I just read a passage from uh, a National Geographic article um, written by Kelly McMillan. The article was called, Here's Why Ski Towns Are Seeing More Suicides. And in the article it says, People come here, ski towns, they try to set up a life, and it's probably not what they expected. They're isolated from their families, their support systems. There's a huge financial crisis that creates stress on people with seasonal work, the housing shortage, the price of rentals, and just the cost of living in general. On top of that, due to the transient nature of these resort communities, their social makeup is often tenuous. Residents lack intergenerational relationships and deep social attachments, which are, which are protective against suicide. That means that when faced with issues, people have less support. And that's why it's so important that we build community together here. And we're doing that so that we can help and care for each other, not just turn up on a Sunday and do church, but that we connect with each other in some way, in a caring sort of way. You know, as a community, it's now October, and traditionally we have a gift day at the end of the month, and this year we're going to have our gift day on the, the 28th of October, and we're, we're looking as a community to raise $40,000 out of that gift day. And during that time, we ask people to look into their hearts and see what they might be able to give. You know, traditionally, that is a part of harvest, looking at, at what you've harvested during the year, maybe selling a house or coming into some money that you can share with us. Or some of you, I know, have given all that you can, and we do understand that. But it's part of the way of keeping the lights on. And, you know, I do have to ask... You know, we're in the process of streamlining the way we do things next year, and we hope to ask less for money and still raise more. But the reason for mentioning it is really that it's all a part of what it means to be a community, to buy into that. The Dalai Lama said, we are social animals who live in communities, who depend on each other to survive. He said, therefore, we need to respond to each other with love and compassion. He says that scientists have found evidence revealed by young infants that basic human nature, basic human nature is compassionate. However, our natural instinctive compassion tends to be biased towards those that are close to us. Our instinctive compassion, he says, is biased towards those that are close to us. Since we're all interdependent, we all benefit if our neighbors are peaceful, whether they be neighboring families or neighboring countries. And therefore, he says, we need to extend our compassion to the whole of humanity. And really, that is what it is to live in community with each other, to live in compassionate nature with each other. 
It's no coincidence that we're celebrating John Denver week here. You know, that picture on our, our, our service sheet is of him in a community, and John was very much of this community. You know, I mentioned Andy Godfrey's film last week, Three Days and Two Nights, and it was very moving to see John visiting Mark and Andy in the hospital. He didn't know them. He responded to them as a part of, of his community. You know, when I arrived here four years ago, the thing I most heard in the town was, welcome to the community. And we do experience ourselves in the valley as a community. And I think, you know, really that's something that we have to keep alive. And the way of doing that is really through compassion. Compassio, to feel with. Passio, to feel calm with. To feel with. As the Dalai Lama says, human nature is compassionate. And the way we foster our community here is really through compassion. Through prioritizing having empathy on others rather than judging them. All around us there are people, all of us have issues and problems that are driving us. The issues and problems that we have are the things that drive us. And to a large extent, you know, we're all doing our best given the circumstances that we live under. You know, we are lucky in that our community here at the Aspen Chapel is self-selecting. And you can pretty much bet that, you know, the decision to turn up here is one that speaks of a desire to see the best in people. And even here we're prone to judging rather than having empathy. You know, when I ask for money for gift day, for example, you either, you know, you either think, Oh, the chapel's always asking for money. I wish they could just, you know, give it a rest for a moment. Otherwise, I might not come. Or you could see it, you know, what it takes from this side, the worry of making sure that we don't go into debt, uh, that we pay our salaries, that we can keep the lights on, and the difficulty of asking. You know, we have to have empathy to see the other side of all these things. And, and so it is with us. Each of us struggles to keep going. And to have empathy and compassion is to realize that for all of us, to be part of our community is so important. Some communities we're born into, you know, we're born into our parents' community, our families. We don't choose them. You know, we're born into our country. We don't choose that. Sometimes we're born into our town. But the communities that we actually choose to be a part of have real significance because We don't have to be a part of those communities. You seek them out and you join them out of desire. You know, some of you might be here because you're a part of the John Denver community. The choice to be a part of that is a choice to appreciate John's values and his contribution and to be a part of that. And so others who are also a part of that community share those values. And therefore, there's every chance that by being compassionate to fellow members, will bring some of John's values back to yourself. And similarly here in the chapel community, we're a community, if, if, you know, if I, I'm asked what the community is about, I would say that we are a community committed to personal transformation through practice. This is what I think our community is about. We're committed to personal transformation through practice. Our aim as a community is to learn together how to live life more skillfully. And especially how to engage our spiritual lives in the pursuit of that goal. 
you know, we recognize that for us to help make the world a better place, each one of us has to learn to become better people. We don't here necessarily hold to a set of beliefs. Rather, we want to learn from all the great wisdom traditions, such as Christianity, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, and Taoism. And here in Aspen, the visually, you know, the chapel is the visually present icon at the roundabout to remind everyone of the spiritual side of Aspen's mind, body, and spirit ideal. And, you know, that's our baseline, I think, as a community. And I think we can pretty much trust anyone with a baseline like that. So as a self-selecting community, we're lucky in that we can, can be a community that's based on trust, the trust that we want the best for each other. You know, we know that intellectually. And most of us will be nice to each other out of that understanding. But, you know, for us to form a deeper community, we, we even have to be more than that. Scott Peck, wrote in the, uh, who wrote the, the Road Less Travelled, says that community means a group of individuals who've learned to communicate honestly with each other, whose relationship goes deeper than their masks of composure. We all have our masks of composure on on Sundays. And for community, we have to go deeper than our masks of composure and have developed some significant commitment to rejoice together, to mourn together, to delight in each other, and to think of each other as we think of ourselves. I think it's a lovely way of expressing it, Scott Peck. We fit in with that. But to fully embody it, we have to do more than just tick the boxes. You know, to communicate honestly with each other and have relationship that goes deeper than the masks of our composure, we have to live that life of compassion with each other. Meister Eckhart, the German 13th century mystic, says, there is no such thing as my bread. There is no such thing as my bread. All bread is ours and is given to me and to others through me. And to me, the bread is given to me through others. For not only bread, but all things necessary for this sustenance of this life are given on loan to us with others. Everything we have is given on loan to us. Even our children are on loan to us with others. And because of others, and for others, and to others through us. We are a pathway to others. Through our compassion, our willingness to share pain, we facilitate this because what we do has an effect on those around us. We exist together in a consciousness of interdependence, all of us. You know, we're like trees. You know, a tree serves everything around it through its leaves, its branches. And we're like a tree. We are interdependent with all things around us. We all need each other as unique part of one community. And our compassion, our compassion is the way we connect with each other. It opens the door between us and others, between us and everything else. My Eckhart says again, in compassion, peace and justice kiss. In compassion, peace and justice kiss. And Jesus perfectly sums up that when he invites us to love others as ourselves. We open ourselves to feeling for others as we do for ourselves. 
And that if we don't cut off from the pain that others sometimes bring us, we feel that pain. And it is through our openness that we provide the links between people and through our compassion that we love the world into transformation. It is through our compassion that we love the world into transformation. Henri Newell, who, who was a big part of the large community um, and wrote a number of books, he said, let us not underestimate how hard it is to be compassionate. Compassion is hard because it requires the inner disposition to go with others to the place where they are weak. To go with others to the place where they are weak, where they are vulnerable, where they are lonely, where they are broken. But this isn't our spontaneous response to suffering. You know, that, that's not what we naturally do. What we desire most is to do away with suffering by fleeing from it or finding a quick cure for it. When we find suffering, that's what we tend to do. But as a community, we have to embrace it. We open ourselves, you know, generally to those we think of as friends. But there are others we think of as high maintenance. People who don't tend to go towards because they are hard work. You know, to be compassionate is to go towards those people. Maybe in the reception. To talk to someone who wouldn't, you wouldn't normally talk to. However, I've completely put the cat among the pigeons there because uh, it's going to be a bit dangerous because if someone comes up to you to talk to you today in the reception, you're going to think, do they think I'm high maintenance? You know, am I a problem? Someone give you freedom to do that. Is that why they've come over? Am I hard work? (laughs) But let's each of us, you know, give to the other that little bit more. Let's see if we can go beyond the masks of our composure. You know, and let each of us in and, uh, and communicate honestly. Because, you know, the truth of the matter is, if we can't do it here, you know, what chance is there? That, you know, we're going to make, the Aspen Chapel's going to make any contribution whatsoever to the greater community. You know, if we can't do it here, I, I, we often say that amongst us as the staff, you know, if we have the occasional argument, which we do. If we can't resolve this here between ourselves in a, in a loving way, you know, what's the point? You know, if we as a community can't act out of this way, you know, we, we can't expect to make a contribution to the greater community. Our very existence here, I think, is predicated on the fact that we are relevant and that we can make a positive contribution to the world. And that really does start with the person sitting next to you, unfortunately for you and the one in front of you, and the one behind you. And we have to go beyond our desire to be satisfied. And this is key. We have to go beyond our desire to be satisfied as individuals and aim to be satisfied as a community. And that means going beyond our own wants and needs. And that's so difficult because our wants and needs are enormous. They are huge. I mean, you know, and we often think I'm never going to get all my wants and needs. It is, and you're not until you make a decision to go beyond them. You have to go beyond your own wants and needs. We have to raise all of us up together. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And it is about leading by example. It is, that's the way we have to do it. And to some extent, that has to be our creed. We have to be in community with each other in such a way that it becomes infectious to others. That there is a sense of mutual respect and appreciation for each other built upon that compassion. That we hold each other in a loving embrace. Knowing that each of us is struggling at home. All of us are. All of us are struggling at home. At work. With our health. We've all got money problems. We're struggling with our beliefs. Even with our willingness to be compassionate. You know, we're struggling with all of that. And if you can look at someone and just realize that, you know, it's not personal and probably they are going through stuff. We're struggling, all of us, and to live in communities to choose to struggle together, to identify with the group that we know we can trust to help and be helped, that shares our values and feels that these values could be relevant to society as a whole. We have that here between us, yeah, and it is precious. And we have that to a large extent in our valley, which again, to some extent, is self-selecting as a community. You have to really want to live here to make it happen. And in Aspen, we're a community based on that mind, body, and spirit. In the valley, we're based on that mind, body, and spirit ideal. And our part here at the chapel is to represent that spirit side, to show how to be compassionate, to show how to look after others, to embody the best of that golden rule, which is to do unto others as you have them do to you. And, you know, that does take work. It takes the effort of feeling with others and being alongside them. It takes the time to join in with events with each other so that we are here more than just on a Sunday and initiatives and trying to make them happen. You know, it does take money and it takes a willingness to serve. And next week we're going to look at the nature of service as a community and how that fits in how we build a community together. Let's pray. So we lift ourselves up to that great spirit as individuals and as a community. And we ask that we may be able to go beyond our own wants and needs and worries and concerns and open ourselves to feel with the wants and needs and worries and concerns of those around us. We ask that we may be able to commit ourselves to sharing our burdens with each other, communicating them, being honest. We ask that of our community and our country as we come towards elections, that we may share together. We think of all those in difficulty at the moment, particularly those suffering from the effects of Hurricane Michael, people suffering from weather all over the world, in different countries, people we've not even heard of who are having trouble with their natural environment. We pray for them. Pray for those living in war zones, 
coming up to the 100th anniversary of the end of the First World War, we just think of the futility of war and those caught up in it. We think of those who are homeless and hungry, people in prisons, in hospitals, all those who are in need. And we pray that our hearts may be readied to serve those people in some way. We also think of those who are in our community that are need our prayers. We particularly think of Father Joseph Boyle and Father Thomas Keating, both now in hospice care. Think of Martha Martin, Sophie Layton, hold Christian Mayor in our hearts, family and friends of Bill Forrest, and those that we know are struggling but are not on this list. Mothers, fathers, friends, family, in difficulty of one form or another. And we pray that your great spirit may enter their hearts and ease their pain We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.